in one of these final meetings, they're like, you know, let's do something different here. There's this guy, and it's just like Ross Tucker said, there's this guy, it's a little different, but I think he might be kind of an X factor and make us a little different from every other show. And that was me, and um, they decided, let's take a chance. Welcome to What's Next with Eric Wood, where we will prepare you to make your what's next in life your best yet. Our next guest is Kyle Brandt. Kyle is currently a host on Good Morning Football on NFL Network and worked on the Jim Rome Show for about a decade. He's an Ivy League grad, having played his college ball at Princeton, and he also starred in the soap opera series Days of Our Lives and was on a season of The Real World. Kyle is an extremely well-rounded individual, and our conversation will be well-rounded because of that. There will also be some Bills talk and NFL talk mixed in, in case you were worried about that. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to help spread the impact we hope to have. If you're one of our new Spotify listeners, thank you so much. Please rate it five stars, and thank you for letting that platform grow for us. Also, if you share this podcast on social media and tag me, I'll share as well, and we can double the impact. Enjoy. Kyle, welcome to the show, brother. It's great to be here. It's great to be on your show. I, I've known you from afar. You've been on my show. I watched you in the great NFL show. But for everybody listening and watching, if you really want to get to know this guy, you got to be in Buffalo, at the stadium, in a suite with a drink in your hand and good people around you in a Bills playoff win where they're kicking the crap out of the Patriots. That's the real way to get friendly with Eric Wood, and that was the way I got friendly with you. So what a great introduction. Oh, no. I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I understand um, you had a birthday yesterday, so first yeah. I want to say happy birthday on that. And then Thanks, let's let's jump in with you like we do all the guests. Okay. Talk about where did you grow up and what all sports did you play growing up? Okay. So um, I won't just give you the town and everything. I'll make it specific. So someone might be able to relate to it. I grew up um, all the movies back in the eighties. Maybe you're a little too young for some of them listening or watching, but like where Ferris Bueller took place and the breakfast club and weird science and all those crazy eighties movies, Molly Ringwald, all that stuff in those towns, those are those, those shows are shot in the North suburbs of Chicago the actual towns where like Ferris and Cameron and Ed Rooney are like running around. That's the actual streets that I grew up on. Home wow. Alone, all that stuff, like same area. Um, also, I grew up um, 10 minutes from the Chicago Bears facility and about 15 minutes where the Michael Jordan Bulls would practice every single day. So like imagine being 14 and your favorite movie is Ferris Bueller and you live in his town. Your favorite athlete is Michael Jordan. You live in his town. And your favorite team is the Bears. And you're right there. I lived in an awesome place, man. That's where I grew up, North Suburbs. That's cool. And then I understand. I know that you played college football. But yeah. were you a well-rounded athlete growing up? I was, yeah. You know, I, I saw something this week, Eric, that I loved. And somebody tweeted something where it listed um, the eight starting quarterbacks from the yes. divisional round. Do you see that? And it was like yes. Rogers, Allen, Grapple, everybody. And it listed all the sports that they played in high school. And most of them were three sport athletes. It was all like, you know, a lot of football, basketball, then some baseball and track. A couple of them were two. And there were none that were one. None of them that just specialized. So I thought that was really cool. And for me, it was, um, I don't know, from, from that, I grew up uh, also a Notre Dame fan because my dad went there. So fighting Irish football was my thing and Bears football. And for me, it was just basically waiting through my entire childhood until my parents would allow me to put pads on. 
So I bided my time with um, a lot of indoor soccer and, uh, you know, basketball, baseball, like every kid in the Midwest. And then when I was in eighth grade, I think my dad made a great decision in that he didn't let me play football until I was in eighth grade. And I loved eighth grade. It was the first time I put pads on because uh, my body was starting to develop and I was hitting puberty, getting bigger. And it gave me one like warm up year for high school where right. like I, I showed up for freshman ball in high school, dude. And like half the kids didn't know how to put their pads on. Like they didn't know what, what how to do a three point stance, like just basic stuff. And based that I played one year in eighth grade, I already knew I could put on my girdle and do my belt and fasten my shoulder pads. And I always said, when people ask me like, you know, when should my son play football? I'll be like, well, that's up to you. But if you want him to play tackle, I would start him in eighth grade. That's my opinion. That's my experience. Yeah, that, I think that's a really good point. And I saw that, and I don't know if Dan Orlowski is who originally put it out there or who came up with it or who did the research, but I saw it from Dan. And I, yeah. messaged, I messaged him originally uh, or immediately because we had this conversation on the podcast about how it's so much better for the youth, and he's raising all his boys. It's so much better for youth nowadays to get a well-rounded sports experience, but it's becoming more and more rare, and people are specializing, thinking they have to. And you mm-hmm. got all these unbelievable quarterbacks, and you can tell nowadays, for the most part, that these guys were multiple sport athletes. You can't watch Josh Allen's versus Patrick uh-huh. Mahomes and not think, wow, that dude would look pretty good on a basketball court, too, or I can't imagine right. throwing a baseball. And so, to your point, I saw that and it was well noted. And then, okay, so post college, you get yeah. into some acting. And, and <laughs> you're, on Instagram, your profile reads, My resume is weirder than yours. So we're going to get yeah. into that. Okay. So tell me about your career journey that led you. Now you're sitting on Good Morning Football, but I know it was yeah. a roundabout way. And I also want to know was it inspired from all those movies that were filmed around <laughs> your childhood? It's a good question, Eric. That's a good follow-up. And I think it, it, it might have been because that's how, you know, we do so much stuff on Good Morning Football that's just movie lines and off the wall, like deep pull references. I think that probably did start a lot where I lived in the 80s and those movies that I watched. But uh, so I played college football. I graduate and I don't know, like I, I was just, I was trying to raise, my parents tried to raise me to be well-rounded. And that's what I'm trying to do with our kids now. And I looked at myself when I was about a senior in high school and I was just like a jock, you know, I had the letter jacket, I would blast the Metallica, I, you know, I, I drove a Jeep Wrangler, it was just like a, a stereotype, like it was just a, a absolutely to the numbers, by the numbers, 90s football dude, and I was like, what the, what is this, like what, what the hell, this isn't how I was raised, so I kind of had this moment where I like, I kind of snapped, and sick, uh, last semester of high school was when I was 18, I quit the track team, which I, I just, I shouldn't, it seems crazy at the time. I quit the track team. My band, my friends and I started a, a band, like a rock band. And I like found this, you know, artistic side. I, at least I thought it was. So I get to college and I'm like, I want to do theater. I want to do acting, which sounds fine now in 2022. But in 1997, when you would go to the varsity, the football coach, not varsity, the football coach in the major division one program and be like, coach, uh, I know we got practice on Thursday till 3.30, but I got a dress rehearsal for the Tempest at 3 o'clock. Is there any way I could leave football <laughs> practice early to go to rehearsal? And again, now we're all enlightened and encouraging, and that's great. In the 90s, he was like, well, what the hell did you just say to me? <laughs> and you want to leave practice? You know, we got, you know, Yale this weekend, and you're going to go up to re- rehearsal? And then the same thing, when you would tell the director of the play, 
uh, hey, excuse me, you know, Keith, um, I'm going to be late for rehearsal because I have football practice. He'd be like, what's football? What are you talking about? I'm right. directing here. So it was it was crazy back then, man, but I, I made it work somehow. So I've heard from a buddy of mine that played at Brown that they are a lot more uh, understanding at Ivy League schools if you have to miss practice for a class or a test. Yeah. At the University of Louisville, that is greatly frowned upon they would say find a new class find a new class that doesn't have to at this time but we're not going to do that so you get into acting yeah and we, we'll just touch on this briefly because Go i gotta on. know what's it like working on a soap opera it was the best was and, and i really mean this so yourself eric and anybody listening you got just picture in your head of all my children or days of our lives or general hospital, whatever, like, you know, your babysitter or your mom watched when you were a kid. Okay. You got this picture in your head and it's of these like cheesy people saying cheesy lines and that weird thing where they would say a line and then it goes to the other person's face and they just sit there and then it goes to commercial. It's the wildest storylines. I know. All right. So amnesia and evil twins. And you got this stereotype in your head. Let me explain to you that the stereotype is 100% real. All that stuff is dead accurate. It's all ba- that bad and all that cheesy and so fun. I'm 23 years old. I get a, jo- a job to be on every day on NBC. Right. You know, like the snap, not Peacock or not YouTube. I was on a major network and, you know, they're like, dude, you know, all right, take your shirt off and get in there. And I was like, fine, I don't care. Let's go. And then you know, you're in love storylines and you're getting paid. Like at 23, you're getting paid, but it felt like crazy money. And um, it was just, it was the time of my life, man. I was in LA, you're young, you're single. Like it's, it's awesome. <laughs> I guarantee it. And then you did the real world. And yeah. I'm sure that was an awesome experience. And then I, I got to ask you about this just briefly because he's become a friend and he's been on yeah. the podcast. I've been on his, you worked with Jim Rome for a long time and now you're the man in front of the camera every day. I know you would fill in and you were the executive yeah. producer. What did you learn from working with Jim all those years? So much, man. I mean, that's, that's the man. That's Ben Smack. That's the pit of the box. That's, that's, I had nine and a half years next to Jim. And I'll tell you like the origin story of that is interesting and interesting for anybody who wants to get into sports media. So I had done the acting thing for a while. I quit the soap opera like everybody does because they all think they're going to become Matt Damon. I did too. I did not become Matt Damon. And I remember I was living in my house in the Valley of California and I was running out of money like really fast and I was depressed and I would sleep in my robe all day. And like, I remember one day, the only thing I was doing to keep myself sane was there, you know, there used to be these things called blogs. Now it's called Twitter. I used to keep a blog. It was just this website I had. I would just write inane observations from living in LA. And so I kept the blog. And one day out of nowhere, when I'm like about to move home to Chicago as the classic failed actor, I get up at noon, whatever. I go over to my Blackberry, which is plugged in in the the bathroom. And I have this weird email where the email address, who's this? And it's from Rome. Out of nowhere, I'd never spoken to him before. And he goes, hello, uh, I understand that, you know, you are living in Los Angeles. I may be looking to add to my team here and you come highly recommended. I've been reading your blog. And I was like, hold on. I'm just writing dumbass things on this blog to make my friends laugh. Jim Rome, who was on ESPN at the time, is a massive radio star, is reading it. Come to find out my former college teammate, Ross Tucker, who I know you know and everybody knows, uh, was doing well in football media at the time, and Rome had talked to him about coming to join the team. 
And Ross said, well, I don't want to move to California, but there's this guy out there. His background's a little weird, but you might get a kick out of him. He reads the blog, he emails me. I go in for an interview with him and nine and a half years later, I, I, I was still working for him. And that's how I started the Blackberry in my robe at noon when I was a depressed failed actor. Dude, that is such a good story. Yeah, weird. And it's amazing. Um, so at some point you treated Ross a certain type of way. You showed up every single day, not knowing that a Ross connection, it's amazing just yeah. how many people's stories you have that pivot point or you have someone that speaks some type of confidence into you or yep. to someone else and how that kind of changes your trajectory. And so it's, now we all get to see you every single morning on Good Morning Football. And I'll tell you this from an, I'm being completely honest. When we have on sports in our training room at the facility with the Bills when I was still with them or in the locker room, we would have on Good Morning Football because it wasn't, and I don't, uh, I'm a former ESPN employee. So this is not a shot at ESPN. This is a shot at current daily shows. It's a lot of arguing and it's a lot of negativity. Good morning football is positivity. I mean, your ratings may plummet when you highlight the Walter Payton men of the year. And <laughs> you have fun, but that's what we as players enjoy. And I think everybody else, I don't know the exact ratings, but the as much traction as I see, I know that it's paying off for you guys. Was it a concerted effort when that group got together to say, hey, let's do something a little bit different? Like, let's have a different tone about all this? Uh, it's hugely concerted effort. And, and you're, that's very perceptive of you. A lot of people don't understand that about the show. The quick background of the morning football is, you know, first of all, it's just the, the geography. The NFL Network had tried for a long time to have a morning show. And since the network is based in L.A., they were doing the show in L.A. The problem was, as they saw it, was that doing a morning show in L.A., you basically have to be on East Coast time. So you'd right. have a 2.30 a.m. production meeting. You go on the air at 4. And you can fake that, and you can have really talented people making it, but it's very difficult to do that, to sustain it. And this just doesn't come off right, maybe. So the first of all, the network said, we're going to hire somebody outside of the NFL, which they'd never done, to make this show. We're going to do it in New York, our first base, New York-based thing ever. And then, all right, so they did it so last minute, Eric, that – there's no auditions. There's no chemistry tests. There's nothing. I never auditioned for it. I never read for it. They, and then they get to the part where, where they, they really did something different to answer your question. They got three people and they're set. They got your ex-player, charismatic ex-player, Nate Burleson. They have your, your strong female anchor, Kay Adams. They got your insider, Peter Schrager, and they are set. Every box is filled. That's how you make a show. Ding, ding, ding. Let's roll. And a couple people said, in one of these final meetings, they're like, you know, let's do something different here. There's this guy, and it's just like Ross Tucker said, there's this guy, it's a little different, but I think he might be kind of an X factor and make us a little different from every other show. And that was me, and um, they decided, let's take a chance. This fourth guy, and, and some people were like, oh, hold on, wait. he doesn't have sources? Nope. He didn't play in the NFL? Nope. Um, so what is he? They're like, He's just, a, I don't know, he's a, he's a change-up. Let's try it. And so they did. And thank God that somebody in that room, and it's rare in media to see this. It's really rare. And if you look at what Amazon's doing now, and Amazon's going to build all these new shows, and they're going to have new things, and they're going to try to be different, it's hard to take a risk. Just go with those three templates, and you'll be safe. They took a risk with me. They took a risk with the show. And uh, over 1,300 episodes later, thank God they did. Oh, yeah. Man, that's an awesome story there too. This Thanks. is gold. I, I didn't know the background on that, and I guess I never. 
I associate you as a football guy just knowing, honestly, the first time I heard background on you was from Ross Tucker. Yeah. Yeah. And so I associate you as a football guy. I know you didn't play in the league, but a football guy. And you work with Rome, so you're a sports guy. Sure. But, yes, and you do bring something different to the table. And it's the angry run segments. It's the Bill's uh, videos that you make and everything else. And and that's what makes the show fun. And so I enjoy it. I I love the chemistry. Do you guys get along off camera? And I know you probably wouldn't say otherwise, but maybe I can tell by your tone of voice. Do you guys get along? (laughs) Do you guys get along as well off camera as you do on? Yeah, I mean you have to. It's because we don't um, we don't fight each other on the air. We don't and we don't have in debates where maybe it would even serve us not to get off well to the long well. Like we do the whole finish each other's sentence, go on the inside joke thing. So we absolutely have to. And it's I think it's interesting what you were saying earlier about you turn on whatever network maybe a Fox Sports or ESPN. Like I watch those shows, those very successful shows. And I look at them, Eric, and I'm like, God, you know, I swear there was a time that sports were fun. I, I, I know it's not a hot, it seems, it's supposed to be a hot take. Sports are really fun, right? So how come, like, the people always seem so pissed off? And so, like, <laughs> how dare you say that about Patrick Mahomes? Well, hold on. Patrick Mahomes is a joy to watch. What are you so mad about? So my dad always says, he says, the reason people like you guys is when you get up in the morning, you want to turn it on and you want like a, give me a little smile or a joke or some positivity. These other shows are so heavy all the time. And I just have to say, as you did, those shows, way more people watch them than our show. Those people on those shows make way more money than we do. And so there's an audience for that. Don't get me wrong. It's just, it's not my, uh, my, it's not my cup of tea. I like something a little lighter in the morning. Yeah, I'm exactly with you. I'm exactly with you. You mentioned 2.30 production meetings when you're on the West Coast. What, t- what time's a normal day for you guys, or for you in particular, start? Um, wow. So I, this is such an ex- I have an exact science on this. My, <laughs> my alarm clock goes off in the morning at 4.16 a.m. these days. Now, you might say, why not just 4? Why not 4.15? Because 4.15 is too early. I need one more minute. I've timed it so to a present. And 4.17 doesn't give me enough time. Over the years of crafting it, I've decided that in between my getting up and preparing this, the shower and all that stuff, 4.16 is what time I get up. So, like, if I'm up at 4.18, dude, I'm screwed. I, like, my whole schedule is thrown off. And if I wake up at 4.14, I feel like I can get any sleep. So, 4.16 get into lower Manhattan. Like we are, it sounds crazy to hear this when you're not here. We're in the trade center. We're all the way down there. Like we are right at ground zero, right across from the, the, the fire station or that was there and is all memorialized way downtown. So I go from the suburbs to the bottom, bottom tip of Manhattan. And that's where we do the show every single day. That's cool. That, that's, yeah. that's cool. The, the four sixteen. If I ever get up at early, I'll uh, I'll think of you. I, I had a my flight from Kansas City. I had a a, a three fifty wake up call. That that was, <laughs> that's not fun, but uh, it, it happens. That was more for travel. That's not an everyday thing. Right. I got I got to know where did your love for the Bills come from? Okay, so uh, some of it started when I was working for Rome because Buffalo was a really big market um, for him and still is. But when I was there. You know, if you know the Jim Rome show at all, even if you don't, it, Rome is Rome and he has his takes and he's iconic. But like there's a, a large part of the show experience is listening to the callers. Right. And a lot of times, especially if you haven't been to some of these cities, 
you start to associate like, oh, I don't know, I've never been to Wichita, but I know Mitch in Wichita or so-and-so in Buffalo. And so they started, I started liking a lot of the Buffalo callers, especially since like the Bills struggled a lot during the years that I was there and it was just Brady domination. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, you were there for part of it. So I started liking the Buffalo callers. <laughs> I just have to call it like it is. I have to be careful so I don't insult the host. So then, um, you know, I, and then once we got on the show, cool things started happening for the Bills that was not far off from when we started, meaning like the first year and the tie rod in the playoffs. And then Josh shows up. And I don't know, I just, uh, a, a couple of years back, I just started, I really like McDermott's act a lot. And I just, he comes on the show a lot. And I like, he like works out in the driveway of his house and just still bang out like 250 dips. And like, I identify with meathead stuff like that. And then um, when they started, I remember it was like when the moment in Josh Allen's debut, one of the first games against the Vikings, when he jumped over that linebacker, I was like, I think they got something here. And at the end of the season, I just started screaming about him and they liked it and the, the, the players liked it. And I just kind of fell in love with the team. And I, I say it all the time, Eric, like I was giving all those speeches. Not only am I not from Buffalo, I had never been to Buffalo in my life. I've right. never been to Western New York until a couple of weeks ago. So it was cards on the table. I'm not one of you. I just like you. And I hope you're cool with that. Well, you've been fully accepted. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> um, while Rome may have a big following in Buffalo and would give them enough content, it's it's popular. I mean, I live in Louisville, Kentucky now. Yeah. Same thing, you know, the Cardinals will always say, well, ESPN doesn't give us enough love when we were good. And then Buffalo would say the same thing. You know, we're not getting enough national headlines. Well, when you do those talks, it's like, okay, well, now someone's embracing yeah. the underdog, the small market team that's not Green Bay. You know, so we, I say we, because I'm now a fan of the organization. Sure. Although I still work with them. We <laughs> are a huge Kyle Brandt fan because you've kind of taken us in and accepted us. And so uh, I'm sure you enjoyed your time in Buffalo. I'm sure you were well-received. What did you think of the bar bill? Oh, my God. That was, that was so awesome. So I went through the very, like, I don't know, hashtag basic, hashtag, you know, noob type experience where – I was never going to go. I was, I'd never been there before. So I'm going to go. Brooke and I went, my wife and I, and the, the, the basic thing that we did was go on Twitter. Hey, everybody, we're going to Buffalo. Where should we go for wings? You know, it's like you go to Chicago, you do it for pizza. You know, you go, you barbecue in the South. And I did it. And I just did this. I just choose democracy, Eric. I just said, whoever gets the most votes, because people are pouring in. And what's funny is that like someone would respond and say, go to this wing place. And then someone would respond to them and be like, you're an idiot. Don't listen to him, Kyle. And then they would start side fighting about the Bills, the, ball, the Buffalo wing place. So the most votes by far, by most votes, I mean most tweets, went to Bar Bill. And they said you can go to the original one, which is like a little bit farther, or go to Bar Bill North, which is by the airport. Uh, that was just a, a based on needs. Brooke was really hungry. It's just like, I got to eat now. So we went to the closest one to the airport and like, we just dove in, like we bungee jumped into that place and its menu and just ordered everything and ate everything. Such nice people. The manager is beautiful and nice and wonderful. And then other customers, you know how this, forget me for a second. In the middle of that day, which is the day they were playing the Patriots that night, it's about two o'clock. We're seven hours to kick off. Everybody's getting drunk. And in the middle of this dining room, surrounded by Bill's fans, this whole party of dudes comes in wearing Patriots jerseys and it's Gronk and Mac Jones and everything. And like, everyone was very nice to them. They were, you know, there was no, like, there was no middle fingers or there was no thrown beers. It was just like, 
just, oh, hey, welcome. And I was like, God, these people are nice. This is the kind of place that I want to live. Enough of this, like, I'm going to wait for you in the parking lot and sucker punch you. I'm like, no, here, have a table. Try our wings. They were just beautiful. Yeah, that's cool that you said that. And one of my biggest critiques of NFL football games nowadays is that every yeah. crowd has just gotten so rough. I mean, I people know. see me leaving the games, and I might have like a Bills credential on my backpack, and they'll start heckling me. I'm like, bro, I'm just here to call the game. I'm not drinking. I'm not putting up with this right now. Like, I'm walking away. Go entertain yourself. But <laughs> don't NFL mess with the wood, though. It'll mess with you. That's not no, I know. You, you get, yeah, you keep peppering me. You're not going to like what happens. <laughs> like when I have to tell my kids, like, I don't want to raise my voice, but I will. Yeah, <laughs> so, I will. I got so, it in my back pocket. <laughs> yeah. And and I think you, you made a great decision with Bar Bill. The thing about Buffalo is, and the reason why there were so many people saying, no, you got to try this place, yeah. is if you don't have great wings, you will not survive up there because there's so <laughs> many places with great wings that you just simply yeah. won't get any business. So there's so many places that you, you'll take some people to just some random spot. Maybe it's crowded or maybe it's by your hotel yeah and they'll be like oh my gosh these are probably the best wings i've ever had i'm like well they wouldn't be in business if they didn't yeah. have good, good wings. all right so bills lose a heartbreaker to the chiefs i'm still not yeah. over it they would have been playing my original team the Bengals, in the afc championship game in buffalo so i'm not over it and that game was absolutely incredible i wish i could appreciate the game for what it truly was i know just my affiliation with the bills but let's address this what do you think needs to be done to the overtime rules, if anything? Well, there's a couple of ways to go on this. And I think, I think initially when the game was over, there was this immediate reaction, change it, change it. And everyone was like, oh, that's such a lame take. Shut up. But then the second wave of, hey, you know, if you, if you want to win the game, make a stop on defense. Then everyone's like, that's a lame take. I think I'm sticking with, I watched the game. I saw what happened from beginning to the end. And Josh Allen goes out and he says tails and he was wrong. If he says heads, the bills are in the title game. Right. That's stupid. I hate that. That is a dumb little uh, tiddlywink parlor trick that there's a coin flip is deciding the thing. They would have won. And I think I, and I've said this pretty elaborately on the air, I'm very against some sort of radical science fiction change to the NFL where it turns into an ESPN three, Louisiana state tech, A&M versus Colorado, Northern, whatever. And it's 78 to 76. And it's eight over. That's, that's fine. That's beneath the NFL. That's Bush league. Right. I want, I want a set 10 minute period following overtime, 10 minutes where you just play out. And maybe you score, maybe you score three times, maybe you win by three touchdowns in that 10 minutes, but it's a 10 minute period. And every touchdown has to be followed by a two point conversion. And that to me is, is there's no pearl clutching that goes on with it about you're ruining the game. I think the traditionalists could get around it. And uh, I, I just don't see why they don't change it. And, you know, I think chiefs fans have been all in their feelings and everything about, well, we didn't have that right back against new England. Well, then you should have. And, you know, if I didn't say that loudly at the time, then I was wrong. Because looking back at it, it is stupid. I don't like it. Well, when they lost to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, at the rules committee meetings, the Chiefs submitted overtime rule changes. So they mm -hmm. recognized that they were the beneficiary this time, but they realized three years ago that mm -hmm. this system is flawed. And I agree. So from being a former NFL player, I can sympathize with the fact that, yes, 
you want these games to end quickly in the regular season. The more plays you have, while people are extremely tired, the more injuries you're going to have. Mm-hmm. That's going to hurt the product in the field. You have time slots for games. You're cutting into other things. I understand all of that. But in the playoffs, when everything's on the line and you've put in nine months of work to get to that point, to end the way it did, mm-hmm. just and I felt the same way when it happened to the Chiefs three years ago. Like, Pat Mahomes was going to score on New England's defense, but instead New England got the ball first and Tom Brady scored on theirs, especially late in the game because the defenses are tired. The defenses are gassed in that game, especially when you have them going up and down the field with under two minutes to go. I'm in in complete agreement with you there. All right, one more, and then we'll get to the recurrent questions. Okay, I can't wait for those recurrent questions. What are those going to be? I mean, we talked about – wings and you know a lot of people wake up in the morning and get their workout in and all that but you're in great shape what's what like after after you're done with good morning football what's kind of the day look like for you You getting a workout in what's your eating schedule like and all that it's tough man i'm I'm right in the thick of it i really am because listen i'm now uh not even just entry level forties. Like I'm getting into it now and I got kids who grow up and the body is changing rapidly and my body wants to be fat. Like it's dying for it. If, if I just, if I just give it a little space, it just gets, it gets fat. And by fat, I mean soft and doughy. I don't mean obese. I just mean, I just get soft fast. So like, I'm all over it, man. I'm doing everything. Cause I'm also Eric, like I'm the dad who's living in the suburbs with the kids in the cul-de-sac. And like most of my peers God bless them. Just don't give a crap anymore. They've reached that point where they're like, whatever, married, got the kids, got a job. I'll put on 25. You know, I don't, I'm not going to take care of myself anymore. They're there. And I, I kind of get the, the sweet release of that. You know, just what are you trying to look good for? I'm trying to fight against that. So, look, I do it all, man. I, I calorie track on this app on my phone. Um, I finally bit the bullet, did something I didn't want to do, which was pay for a trainer. Twice a week, I hit a trainer and we do like, like real lifts, man. Like I'm swinging kettlebells and I'm doing all stuff, stuff on the ground and I'm doing core work. So what I'm saying is like, I'm fighting the good fight. I, I can't believe that Tom Brady is older than I am that bastard, but he still looks that good and plays that well. So I do everything I can possibly do for, from Sunday to Thursday, Sunday to Thursday. I'm like a monk Friday and Saturday. You better get out of my way. I'm, I'm drinking, I'm eating, I'm shaking cocktails. I'm eating nachos for two days a week and the five days of clean versus two days of good. Somehow I'm still in business. Hey, well, I'll say this. Yeah. I, I also know a lot of people that have kind of given up on that fight. A lot of people would say, Eric, sure. why, do you, why do you live? So my, my wife says it to me all the time. Like who gives a crap if you're 250 yeah. as opposed to 243. And I'm like, well, one, yeah. I care Two, yep. you are a person of influence. You're on TV you can inspire people to live a healthier lifestyle. The number yep. one cause of death nowadays is related to being obese. So you mm-hmm. have an opportunity to model that for people. And as a person of influence, I talk to people about this all the time. Me and Rome had this conversation recently. If you look like you just walked in and ate a box of donuts, that's fine. I have no judgment. I'm just probably not going to listen to you about discipline and inspiration <laughs> and anything else. So I, I respect that. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm similar to you. So you're five days, two days. I, yeah. I'm like 80, 20, 90, 10 rule. Like okay. as long as 80 to 90% of the time I'm eating real foods with a bunch of protein, get my workouts in, 
all good. I can let loose. And people be like, oh my gosh, you just crushed food. I'm like, I know. It was, it I was know. good too. And I probably enjoyed it more too. <laughs> I had you do. Clean prior. Oh yeah. Listen to me. When you worked for it, the martini is a little colder. The French fries are a little saltier. Like it's, it, it really does taste better. Exactly. No doubt about it. All right. Let's hit a few of these recurring questions. All right. You have a favorite book? Yeah, I have a favorite book. Um, my mind always goes to novels. Um, a classic one is a book by Pat Conroy called The Prince of Tides, which was made into a dog Barbara Streisand movie, but it's a great book. And as a child, I loved the, the book Where the Red Fern Grows, which is a beautiful story about a man and women's love of dogs and the outdoors. So I know those are a little skewing in opposite directions, but two of those I can read over and over. You are artsy. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, right. <laughs> are you a man of faith? I'm not. No. Um, it's a weird thing, Eric. Like, I was I was raised Catholic. You know, I had first communion, confirmation, my christening as a baby, and I used to. I was told I was a Notre Dame fan growing up. You know, I used to when I would score touchdowns in high school, I would take a knee and cross myself because I think most of that's what I saw the Notre Dame players do. But also, was kind of into it at the time. And I lost it uh, when I was in my 20s. I just lost the faith. It just started not making sense to me. And I always say I'm very, very, very jealous of people who have religion. I, I look at them with pure jealousy because I wish I had that power to pray and to, to have, feel that support. I, I don't right now. Maybe I'll get it back. But I, I, I'm very jealous of people who do. Yeah, I respect you saying that. And I respect your honesty and vulnerability there. We could talk off air about it sometime. Okay, we should. Uh, and I have a couple book recommendations that, okay, because like anybody, I, well, I grew up Catholic as well. I grew up a Notre Dame fan. I grew up on the west side of Cincinnati. It was like you were either Ohio State or Notre Dame. UC football yeah. wasn't a thing at the time, and so I was Notre Dame at the time. I wanted Is nothing right? more than to play at Notre Dame. I went to a Catholic high school where we were like a feeder. So Kyle Rudolph was younger <laughs> than me. He went there, okay. but it's like we sent people to Notre Dame. But I was just nowhere near the radar. I was lucky to yeah, get a scholarship to Louisville, and it all worked out. But I remember point, I went on like, um, you know how it works. It was I went on like a, a, like a level three unofficial visit to Notre Dame, where I went to a function, but like I wasn't really hosted. But I got to meet some of the coaches, and there were other recruits there, and it was like. I, you know, I was a running back, so like you got to be really talented as a running back. And you know, <laughs> I looked around at these other guys in this room, and I'm like, I don't know, Dad. Maybe we should be looking at the Mac, you know. And, and then the Mac was too big for me, but um, I, I remember that very, very, very well. Do you? I'm, I'm thinking back to being raised Catholic. Now, you you were confirmed, I imagine, right? No. Now, I, as I remember, when we did for your confirmation, you would have to uh, pick the name of a saint, and that was your official confirmation. Do you remember who your saint was? I was Adam, and I'm not even sure if Adam was a saint, but they asked me <laughs> why, and I really didn't have a reason. It just kind of came to me, and then I made up this deal about how Adam was the first and he was original. So he was the leader. And my teacher was like, oh my gosh, that's like the best answer I've got. Everyone's like, this is my uncle or whatever it may be. What was yeah. your all right, so I don't have a good story. I have a funny one, but you know what I chose? I can't, you're not, I can't make this up. Mine was St. Jerome because of Jerome Bettis. That's why I picked him. That's the only that reason. That is hilarious. I loved it. And it was Catholic, sort of, because of the school. And I loved the bus. But the, I'm like, oh, Jerome, that's it. It's done. That's hilarious. That's awesome. <laughs> Next is when I would generally ask, what was your first car? Was it the Wrangler? Um, yeah, I... Um, 
I, the first car I remember driving was my stepdad's beat up white Jeep Cherokee with like a, a, a shard of glass missing from the windshield. But dude, that, that Wrangler was, that was my chariot, man. And I had, um, I had like the 12 disc CD changer that would go underneath my seat. Um, I had like a, a Van Halen bumper sticker, a bumper sticker from a band people don't really remember called Silver Chair. And it was like a lot of Pearl Jam, a lot of Tool, a lot of Stone Temple Pilots. Like just great memories of the first car. What, what was yours? Tell me yours. Dude, Come on, I'll tell you one second. But literally, as you describe that, like I'm picturing a movie. I'm picturing like Varsity Blues meets Ferris Bueller yes. Day Off. Yes, yeah, I mean, yes. It's, it's that. And it's like, yeah, I didn't look. We used in the summer. We used to take the doors off and then we used to take our shirts off. And by we, I mean like me and my other like varsity leather jacket type guys, you know, and we would just cruise and just blast Alice in Chains and like wear our <laughs> Oakley's frog skin sunglasses and our cargo shorts. Like, I mean, it sounds ridiculous now, but like in 96, it was pretty cool. <laughs> Dude, I still think that's cool. I still think that's cool. My kids are like always in amazement with Jeep Wranglers. At some point, I'm going to have to buy yeah. one and get one because they just think those are the coolest thing ever. They are. They, they don't think our Escalade and Range Rover is cool. It's that, oh my gosh, that's a Jeep Wrangler. <laughs> yeah. And then um, my daughter saw a G-Wagon the other day and said, Daddy, oh, look yeah. at that Jeep. That's the one I want. And I said, when? Like when you're 35, maybe? <laughs> yeah. like, get a job. Yes, maybe one day. Yeah, I no drove kidding. a 1992 Honda Accord. Okay. And um, I was a little too big for it, but it really made me appreciate when I was able to buy myself a Tahoe when I was a rookie. Oh, yeah. Was that a cord? I'm just going to guess. Was it silver? It was black. Black? Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was a car. It got me around. Yeah. What's your favorite restaurant? Favorite restaurant? Um, look, I'll go to battle with this stuff, and this, this gets very polarizing, but uh giordano's pizza in chicago illinois which is the classic deep dish with the sauce on top and i'm sitting here in new york and people are passing out in the streets that they're listening to me saying that's not pizza and that's casserole and how dare you screw all of you i know what i like i knew what i grew up eating each slice i don't know weighs about a pound and a half we're talking a good 1200 calories per slice here wood it's not it's not for the weak but it's what I grew up eating. You, you can eat it with a fork and knife and nobody wants to crucify you. It's incredible. Giordano's Deep Dish Pizza in Chicago. I love it. I had that in the preseason this year before calling the game. Oh, and yeah. But we would get that, honestly. Now looking back, like getting into nutrition, now like we, we would eat pretty healthy during the season. And then like even towards the end of my career, I really dialed it in a lot better. But like early yeah. in my career when we play at Chicago – even if it was regular season, night before the game, we'd crush you on us. Smash. Like, oh, my God. That's so great. I know. I'm like, what were we thinking? What were we thinking? Was this you and, like, the linemen would do that? It, linemen, it was always me and Fitzpatrick when sure. he was there. And then yeah. it, he was such a bad influence on my eating. I mean, <laughs> truly was. Truly was. Friday, we'd always go to a diner after practice. Yeah. Really? The, uh, on Saturdays, we'd eat on the road together. And he so – I mean, you saw him with his shirt off at the game. He's not yeah. – the He's an awesome quarterback. He's not the yeah. epitome of health, though. And, I mean, most most people make excuses about their diet because of their kids. Now, if you have seven, I imagine you have seven times the excuses of someone that has one. So I get it. There's just too much around. Like, there's too many dinosaur-shaped chicken nuggets around. Like, I there's two. And I have two kids, and it's it's a it's a buffet up there of fruit roll-ups 
and lollipops and chocolate this and chocolate that. And every once in a while, you just peck at it. So seven is like, that's, that's the, the, like the Olive Garden. It's just the, the Italian sampler platter of junk. It's amazing. Yeah, at all times. At all times. All right, last one for me. What do you got? This is what's next with Eric Wood. What's next for Kyle Brandt? What's coming down the line for you? Um, it's a good question. You're asking this to me right now at an interesting time because in the football season, for those of us who make our careers off of the football season, we are at like mile marker 25 right now. We're all exhausted. Right. Our legs are cramping up. We just want these last three games to be played so we can go and lie on a beach or face down in a, in a gutter somewhere. Um, I don't know, man. Like I, I professionally, good morning football. I am married to it. I love it. I'm one of the founding band members of that band and I have no plans to leave that at all. Um, I, uh, you know, there's all crazy opportunities that are coming out there and new companies and media outlets that are coming up that I'm going to try to get a taste of. So I'm not doing anything professionally right now. That's not crazy. Um, I'm coaching baseball for seven year olds this spring. I'm a little nervous about that. I don't want to be the guy who turns into the little league dad, you know, or screaming at refs or threatening to fight people coach football in the fall. And we did fine with that. Just not many fireworks, but the baseball thing now, Eric is now we're getting into that kid pitch, which means we're getting into the umpires and you know, these, these sweet 14 year old boys making a $20 a, a game. I just have to let them call their own strike zone. And as long right. as I focus on that, I think we'll be all right. Yes. Yes. And that, that's going to be a challenge because as a competitor, it's hard. And when it's your own child, you're like, Oh my gosh. I know I coached, um, I coached soccer for our kids recently okay. and I didn't make it to many of the games cause they were on Saturdays and that's when I was doing college football and the bills, sure. but I was there for practice and I watched this older man throw a soccer ball off one of the kids' heads. Well, you're not even, this is four to six year olds. We're well, not even allowed to head the ball. And he was trying to do a drill like that. And yeah. that was, that pushed me about to my limit to be oh able to God. kind of restrain myself. I, I said, that was my last question. Are you guys going to put a permanent person in the fourth seat with good morning football with Nate leaving? I hope so. It's, it's weird what we have right now, man. It's like, you know, it's like um, they were doing the Jeopardy with Alex Trebek, except there's four people. So, you know, it's really strange in, a, in some ways and fun in the others that every week it's Peter and Kay and me. And then, oh, Shady McCoy's here or D'Angelo Hall or uh, Kevin from The Office was in that chair. Like, right. it, it's, it's a total grab bag. You don't know who it's going to It's a lot more challenging on us because, like, you know, like Chris Carter's in right now. Chris Carter is, is like a football icon and, like, so it's a little bit different <laughs> debating him on, uh, you know, who's the best receiver in the NFC North than it is Kevin from the office, which is a much different tone. So it's been wild. I think I, I think the idea is to find somebody permanently, but I, I'm not saying it's the, the world's toughest job, but it's just you need a pretty unique skill set and you need to be able to be like completely absurd and idiotic in one second and then go to talking about something really serious the next and there's not a lot of, maybe a lot of people can do it. I just don't know if they want to. So right. we're looking, man. We really seriously are. We should get you in that chair if you want to come in. Hey, I would love to. And I'll say this. It also takes someone that's willing to commit every single day to it. Because like you said, you're on mile marker 25 right now. And for guys that want to transition to the media from playing ball, you better be all in, especially if you're going to do a show like that. Because it's it's all year round. I mean, I've had, I've had guys talk about leaving those because of that. Because... 
There is no off season per se. Now I will honor you Dude. in this way, and I want to honor you yeah. in this way. It's mile marker twenty five. Last Tuesday, I reached out about doing this podcast, and we were trying to line something up. And you said, yeah. you know what? I'm going to spend today with my kids. And you know what? Last Saturday, the the Saturday prior, you were off one on one with your wife. I want to honor you. I think that is absolutely awesome that you don't feel the pressure of maybe taking a day off or cutting out of town with your wife and going to have some fun because ultimately that's what life's about. It's relationships and those closest to you. So one, I thought that was awesome. Some may be offended. I was actually more impressed by that than if you would have said, yeah, I'm going to be spending some time with my kids, but can, can you do later or sure. The fact that you just said, Hey, I can't do it. I'm going to be with my kids. I said, man, that is freaking awesome. And so I appreciate that. Two, I appreciate your time. I know you're extremely busy this time of year. During this playoff time, we're very well-rounded on this podcast. It's everyone from pastors to motivational speakers to athletes to coaches, whoever it may be. And so through the playoffs, we were kind of having a Bills theme. And with the Bills losing, I did not have the heart to get any of them on the podcast. And so I appreciate you coming on. Everybody give Kyle a follow on social media. He's at Kyle Brandt. Tune into his podcast, 10 Questions with Kyle Brandt. It's Excellent. It's an awesome format. I could I could ask you a whole podcast worth of questions about how you produce all that, and maybe we'll do that another time. Sure. And then check him out each day. We've mentioned him many times. Good morning football, seven to ten a.m. Eastern on NFL Network. They do a an awesome job, and it's it's a great way to start your day. So Kyle, I can't thank you enough for your time. Keep being that positive light. Keep being you. Bills fans love you. You're a mafia for life. You're a mafia honorary member. Thank you very much, brother. Wouldn't have missed it, man. It was just a matter of when we were going to do it. Last week, had to go to the indoor water park in the Poconos with the kids. Couldn't skip it. But the first thing I did when I got back, so I'm like, I got to text Eric because we got to do this. And it was a pleasure. You host a great show, incredibly well-researched. And uh, you're my guy, man, anytime. I appreciate that, brother. This episode is also brought to you by Punched Energy Chews, and these have become a favorite product of mine for energy and fitness. They use a patented formula with tons of scientific studies, and they start with pure green Arabica coffee bean caffeine. It improves your physical and mental performance, increases your metabolism, helps burn calories and body fat, and they also help boost your immunity, which is very important at this time because they're a great source of vitamin C. They're also ultra low glycemic, no spikes, no bounces, and no crashes. What you're going to do is go to punchedenergy.com, use code ERICWOOD20 for 20% off. Give them a try. Link in the show notes.